Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and tonight we are joined by a friend, a special guest. Uh, she is the co-host of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. Say hello to Emily Richardson. Hi, Em. Hey. Thank you Glad for being be here. here. Thank you. Well, <laughs> no, you, thank you. Thanks should, for having me. You should not be thanking us because today we are talking about Identity Crisis by Brad Meltzer and Rags Morales. Um, one of the great ones. Truly one of the great ones. Which... <laughs> really? Uh, well, let's, no, no. no. Let, let, let's, yeah. let's, let's take a step back here for a second. Uh, we talked about this, I think, briefly maybe in the last episode. But, uh, Vincey, when did you first read this? I read it uh, concurrently as it was coming out. Zach, when did you first read this? Um, I read this. I, I had to really think about it. I read this when I was 20. I had been reading comics for about a year, and I picked this up uh, as part of a buy two, get one free deal at a Books A Million when I was on vacation. I got this book, the first volume of the John's Booster Gold run, and Final Crisis Rogue's Revenge. And I read all three in the same day, and I thought they were some of the best comics I'd ever read. <laughs> I thought comics were so good. <laughs> I loved it. And I don't think I've read it again since then. So I was trying to think about the exact time I read it. I know I read it in one sitting in a Barnes and Noble when I did not buy it after I read it. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I want to say I was either like killing time before a meeting. There was, I was doing something, and I had just gotten back into comics after a few years off. So I'm going to guess this was 07 or 08. And just, I, was, I was going through just like reading all the events that I had missed. And I had like an hour or two to kill, so I went to a Barnes and Noble and took it off the shelf and just sat there and read it. And uh, I think it was like set between 07 and at the latest like 09. And Emily, you okay. just read this. So I, I read it in, I read it in '09 too. So <laughs> we did it like the same time. Okay. And then Emily, you just read this like a month ago, right? Yeah, I read this like a month and a half ago. What was the reason and... that you decided to read this book? <laughs> well, my husband Walt, who is also a, uh, he was a writer for Multiversity and also on the Manga Club podcast with Zach and I, uh, we were talking about like i guess he was rereading some dc series and he's like it would be funny if you read identity crisis because <laughs> uh i was i was just asking i was like well what is what's something funny i could read and like at least sort of understand and i was like being half serious he's like oh you should read identity crisis and i was like oh yeah i think you've told me about it and like i, I remembered like some of the plot points but i i, I forgot like the biggest ones which <laughs> Which was fun for him because he knew when I got to the certain certain plot points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I read this completely free of any other context. I just read this and this alone. <laughs> I don't know what has come from this. Apparently, apparently, some good things have come from it. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can so totally picture Walt saying that you should read this as a bit. That's yes. yeah. yeah yeah. So I hope. I don't know if it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it brought you to our show, so yeah. for, for us it was. I mean, it yeah. does set you up to read the rest <laughs> of the golden age of DC Comics. Just... Yeah. You, you should just <laughs> ask, you should ask Walt to give you 
the the reading map for the next ten years of DC Comics. Oh, no, man. I guess it would only be like seven years. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, wow, I, have, I just have so many questions. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I mean I do and I don't. I'm just like, well. Oh. I was like, so so why did this happen? And like, uh, the answer is stupid. And I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I what I expected. Um, Welcome to Escape Comics. Yeah. Um. So I know that you. So we we did the um the bat manga with you. Yes. Uh, I believe on an episode of the the manga club. Right. Um, and now you've read this. Are are there any other? comics involving american comic book characters or superhero characters that you've read uh dc specifically um aside from this or is this pretty much it oh my god let me think uh i think i read a super oh this is gonna be terrible i'm sorry i'm gonna try to remember the name it was a superman story that walter likes uh all-star superman it was yes i think so yeah okay not superman for tomorrow no, it was good though. <laughs> I remember liking it. Good, I yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, I like positive superhero like cave comic stories, and then I read this. Yeah, we asked you for, <laughs> time for the perfect event then. <laughs> yeah. oh. This is so happy and like, it's just full of positivity and makes me think superheroes are really fun and cool. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, this this was good for me to read though because like it's it's sort of the ultimate like thing i hate to see happen in anything yes you, you do hate to see it <laughs> yeah you, you really hate do <laughs> hate when identity crisis happens that's yeah. for, sure. for sure yeah and i i really don't think i've read anything else with dc well, see, okay. uh, but see that's that really remember. that's really interesting to me because there are there are pieces of identity crisis that feel very like a piece with what um with what DC is in, in both like it's good and bad incarnations. Like I think this gives a sort of overview of some of the big tentpole tropes of DC comics. Would you guys agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that we'll talk about as we go along is that there's stuff in this comic that I remember fondly, not about this story itself, but about the DC universe at the time. Man. <laughs> Were you going to say that, Zach? I, I've, well, I've just got so many, like, big think thoughts about this book now, like, <laughs> from rereading it. Like, I, I'm, like... Your like, brain is expanded. <laughs> like, well, not my brain, but, like, feelings that I've felt about comics for, like, the last year or two now are just, like, falling into place, and, like, I understand the big picture, and I I, I, I know why comics are good and why they're bad, and... It's like you're dissecting a watch with your mind. Or so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing I'm all the pieces. Really, this is a reference that Vince will get now, and Emily will get when she gets further into The Sopranos, but Zach basically <laughs> just smoked peyote in Las Vegas. <laughs> and he, he gets it now. So, uh, that's, uh, yeah, there we go. I so, can see how this would open your mind to why comics are bad. <laughs> well, so here's uh, the thing. I also so, see, yeah. What I mean by that, M, is that, like, there are – so one of the things that DC has been built on in its best of times is the idea of legacy and family. And I feel like – during this era, there was a lot of, of emphasis put on 
the fact that the heroes had a like a familial element to them. They they weren't just coworkers in a way, but they were they were friends, they were family, and I eat that stuff up. I think that that's really I think there's really good stories that come from those ideas. And so when you're reading something like this, I, I think it does a really poor job of showing that. But that's a cornerstone idea of this comic. Um, there's also, yeah. like, DC is built upon a lot of detectives, and there's a lot of detective work in this comic. Again, not very good detective work until the sixth issue. But, like, you know... Detective comics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> DC stands for detective comics, exactly. And so, like, I like that aspect of DC, but, again, it's done poorly here. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff to hear that, if done well, is is really fun, but wasn't done very well. Right. Yeah, I was going to say I could see how you could create a version of this story that's good and communicates sort of the relationships between the characters with a little bit more um, feeling and sort of like <sighs> compassion. I don't know, just just with, just with more like significance and a feeling like even if I hadn't read, you know, obviously I haven't, like if I hadn't read a million other things with these characters in it, I could have like connected, but I just... For the most part, I was just reading. I was like, hmm, okay. So you did me. Cool. Um, <laughs> everyone likes her. Uh, I, it was a lot of... Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of, like, um, telling, not showing, I guess. A lot yes. of exposition, especially yes. in the first issue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, it's worth noting that um, the writer of this mainly came from the world of novels, um, before this, well, and a little bit of TV, I guess. Um, and that definitely, I think, comes across a little bit in the presentation had, had of the done, story. Had he done anything other than Green Arrow at this point? Um, or had he, was Green Arrow after this? I kind of think Green Arrow was after this. I thought this was his first, I could be wrong. Well, I almost like I should have researched this before we talked about it. <laughs> Me too. I, I kind of thought up, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Um... Well, here's what I do know. I do know that the DC editors kind of nabbed him because one of them read his like most recent novel and knew that he was a fan of comics and wanted to pull him into some sort of project involving the JLA. And it ended up being this. Now, whether he did some other project before this was finalized, I, I don't know and I can't remember. But this was very much the thing that put him on the map. Okay, so before... he he did um, he did Green Arrow in two thousand two to two thousand three. Okay. In two thousand four, he did um, Identity Crisis. Yeah. And then in uh, two thousand six, he did that JLA uh, run. Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so Zach, you were right. Um, okay, before we get into this, I, I just want to set the stage for like the way that this book was talked about at the time, because this is the thing that, this is the thing that roped me in all those years ago. Cause I was, I was ordering comics from Midtown comics to get these issues and read them as they were coming out. And I would, I would have been in high school at this time. Um, and wizard magazine, do you, do you remember Wizard? You like Wizard Magazine, Paul? Do you enjoy <laughs> Wizard Magazine? The, uh, <laughs> the, the price guide. Yeah, yeah. And then they play four bars of uh, the Money Hulu. by Pink Floyd. Uh, 
<laughs> I was going to say Pinball <laughs> Wizard. But... Okay, there we go. Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> um, anyway, Wizard Magazine was all in on Identity Crisis. They talked about this book like it was going to be the second coming of Watchmen. And I thought that maybe I was misremembering that. So I actually went back and I looked at Wizard Magazine number 159. And, and you say you're not gave, a sicko. They, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge sicko. They, <laughs> Did you pull gave, out your, your copy that you had? Yes, absolutely. Yep. He went through his archives, his bound yeah, archives of Wizard. It, he, he keeps it right next to the Walmart. He's a giant. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, um, but they gave this thing a tongue bath. So it just happened to be the issue where they really got into this and, and did an interview with Meltzer and everything um, happened to also be like their of the year of comics of the year awards issue. And they gave Meltzer writer of the year and they gave this mini series of the year and it had the moment of the year, which was... What? The mind wipe. I know. This is, <laughs> so I'm going to bridge to That's to one of the things you. I laughed at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They gave it the cliffhanger of the year with issue six. Um, they brought in, they brought in luminaries of the comic world, like, like Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, Mark Wade, Joss Whedon to all talk about identity crisis. Number one as the what best. What Vaughn have to say about <laughs> This. He said, "He said it's an idea I wish I would have thought of." <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, so like, they they went all in on this thing, and I remember reading, you know, all the hype and just they they do compare it in this issue favorably to Watchmen and what? The Dark Knight Returns. Oh I God. mean, it is. It it's, is, it, though. It, it it's is, not, but it is. It's not, but I know what you're saying. But it is because it is that for people looking from the outside, I think. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I would even take it a step farther that it's like even people on the inside who want... Who think that Rorschach that. is a hero. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that, just that, that like, like, this is... This is serious. The, 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 one of Batman could have had ED in this. <laughs> <laughs> if, this if this wasn't the real show, that would, that would be, be the stinger. stinger. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what I was going to say is that I, I feel like this is Watchmen for people who laud Watchmen because it's serious, not because it's good. Yeah. Yes. yes. Absolutely. That's yeah. so on point. Right. Because I love Watchmen. Well, right, there you right. go. Yeah, I. You love it because it's good, not because it yes. takes uh, serious takes on superhero stories. Yeah, and I definitely, there is definitely a feeling to this when I was reading it, where I was like, okay, well, I, I was sort of like inclined not to like it, right? I mean, I'd heard bad things about it, and and I sort of was like primed to sort of criticize it right from the get go. But there is a set, there is a feeling to it where I'm like, okay, if I was like 16 or my late teens, early 20s, I could totally see myself digging this though, if I was in the right state of mind, different time period. Mm-hmm. But now that, I read this and I'm like, I'm done with this stuff. Yeah. Like, ugh. yeah, no, I yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty spot on. And uh, I wanted to I after after having told you about how Wizard went all in on this, I I wanted to ask you specifically because you're somebody not um, extremely embedded in the American comics scene. Does any of that track with you versus what you read? And I think the answer. is 
you pretty much gave the answer that like <laughs> no <laughs> no like i can't imagine like even if i didn't know anything about it i think i would have just read this and been like mm, that was interesting mm-hmm. like i don't think i would have like freaked out over it like watchmen levels or like from hell or something you know like i mean maybe it's a little it's a little unfair to compare it to like something like that but I don't know. It's just, I, I can't imagine getting that excited about this. Like, it's weird to me. Yeah. It, it's so funny, though, because, like, this this is, like, the zeitgeist of comics in this era. Like, the the dark secret history. Um, <laughs> like, because this happened, and then right around the same time, uh, Bendis did Secret War, and then... Ed Brubaker did the X-Men Deadly Genesis, um, which were, it was all just like riffing on old stories, but like recasting them with, there were, there were things that we didn't know about and they were, it, it makes the past bad. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not as good as you thought it was. That's like the idea of comics right now, like in this time, (laughs) it's not like you remember it. It's so lame. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. But to your to your earlier point, Emily, when I was 17 reading this when it came out, and issue after issue, I was like, can they do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was totally I was totally into it at the I, time. I, to- I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% believe that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So do do we want Oh, one more thing before we actually get into it. It this I, I was reminded when rereading this of a Tim Seeley quote that he uh, he was a writer at DC um, a couple years back during the rebirth stuff. And he had a quote on Twitter, I think it was, where somebody people were complaining about heroes in crisis, which I'm sure that won't be the only time we reference heroes in crisis um, on this show, because this this book compares in a lot of ways to that one. Um, but you know, people were mad about heroes in crisis and he said something like, look, if like, I understand how you feel, but these are the only kinds of stories that really move the needle. These are what like create national news. And so that's why we do them. And I, I feel like, again, like I was 17 at the time, but like, I can't think of anything between the death of Superman in the nineties and this that would have generated that kind of, in a way he's not wrong. He, he's being realistic about what these sorts of stories, what the function is, you know? And I think like m- me being 17 at the time and remembering all this fervor around this book, that, that really rings true. Like ev- the news publications and everything took this very seriously as well, which seems like it, it seems like a joke to me now. It but, does. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. But again, yeah. like it, to to me, aside, Death of Superman is is a little bit different. But to me, all the all the stories that fit into this national news sort of archetype are all the same message, which is comics ain't for kids anymore. Like that's all of them. <laughs> like you know, every one of the, like, like, even like Civil War, right? Civil War was like they're talking politics and comics now. Like it was, it's all about um, just trying <laughs> to break comics out of what 
the mainstream media thinks they are. Which is funny because kids haven't read comics in 20 years. So the fact that you still think the kids are reading comics, like that's that's your first mistake there, bub. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything else or do we want to get into this? Let's get get I do have a, get I have a question. Oh, sure. yeah. Is this – now I was reading a little bit about when this came out, like sort of initial critical reception, and it seems like it was mostly very favorable. Though there yes. were a couple – there were a couple people that were like, "Oh, this sucks," and like they sort of they sort of saw the writing on the wall. But um, did is this something where a lot of people have looked back on this and they're like, "Oh, this is actually really bad," or is it still kind of a beloved series? There is a kind of a split there because I think like I think like longtime comic stalwarts generally look back on this disfavorably for the most part. Yeah. But I, but I still do think like um, there are a lot of professionals that probably cite some of this as inspiration. And I think there are probably, there are probably some, some like uh, critical voices out there that still look at this favorably for being, but they're the type of, they're the type of critics who like when comics are serious. They like the Tom King comics. They like the the twelve issue <laughs> prestige uh, miniseries that make goofy superheroes into messed up uh, people. You know. So I, I think there's a split there. Okay. Certainly, certainly though, you're right. Like at the time, I think the reception was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, and I think I think you can do serious stories with superheroes. Just. And I can't, I can't really point to like how I would do it, but just not like this. Yeah. <laughs> not this. There oh, are God. so many, there are so many places within this that you just look at this and say, like, "Oh, this is a bad decision." And then that's, and then right. and, and, and it's like when you get a chip in your windshield, you're like, the one bad decision just, just spider webs into this, into this terrible matrix of bad decisions. I was like. I, I like screamed in the last issue. I was like, it can't get worse than this. And then I was like. Oh, yes, it can. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, there's Boy. a lot of there's a lot of points throughout this series where it tries to have its cake and eat it, too, by like oh. by by being overly serious. But then all of a sudden something absolutely absurd will happen that could only happen in a superhero comic book. And right. and the juxtaposition is not handled very well, no. almost ever. But all right. Let's let's get into this with <laughs> issue issue one. Just doing the highlights here. Um, oh, first of all, I, I want to mention all these covers are Michael Turner covers, and again, it cannot be stressed enough how huge Michael Turner was at the time, as far as his art goes. Right, like Michael Turner was like the cover artist in comics right now. And when was the last and, time you saw a Michael Turner cover? <laughs> Well, I, mean, I mean, as recently as last year, because there's, uh, yeah, I mean, he is deceased, right? But um, yeah, but like even I feel like they were reprinting his work a lot for a, for a while. Oh, the, the, as recently as last year, people yeah. were putting putting uh, Michael Turner. I mean, there is still a fondness for for his work. I'm sure it's just, uh, it's unfortunate. No, there is what what was that? Um, Aspen, right? He, Aspen. He did yeah. a lot of stuff with Aspen. Yes. They still, I, I feel like they have a drawer of just unused artwork yeah. that that gets 
repurposed yeah so that was probably a big big deal on all these issues too like I, i'm sure these covers attracted uh, quite a bit of hype as well um but anyway okay getting into it so uh just the high points here uh we see ralph dibney he's on a stakeout with a, a younger member reserve member of the justice league or something um and meanwhile his wife sue is supposedly planning a surprise mystery for his birthday which she does every year um ralph gets a distress call from sue and somebody has broken into their house and he comes home finds her dead burned burned up body and as a kicker, a positive pregnancy test. Yeah. As if I, things weren't grim enough. Say, Which I, is I, never referenced again. No, it's never. <laughs> oh my it's god, you're like right. It was, <laughs> it's almost like it was thrown in as just like another mm. twist of the knife. Uh, absolutely. It, it almost absolutely. also like I, I took pictures of some of my favorite pages and I have that one <laughs> and it looks like it's at the bottom of the page, like sort of it almost looks like he could have been like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Uh, maybe I should put something here. Oh yeah, a uh, positive pregnancy test with a little note. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, that's awful. That was my first big laugh, I think. <laughs> when I well, saw that. Twi- you're twisted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I know. It is. It is truly awful, though. Like, <laughs> um, I. It's something I definitely didn't think about at all the first time I read it, but that emotional manipulation with absolutely no like. Right payoff or like depth at all like it's literally it's not even reference he never even once says like oh my wife and child it's just like <laughs> yeah. never it's insane i don't know yeah yeah like i'm not saying you can't have an emotional thing with like your loved one being killed or murdered but th- i mean this whole story is sort of just like the way how not to do that it does yeah. everything wrong it does it, it's like it's really <laughs> incredible oh um, so then we get Sue's uh, quite well-attended funeral and a clandestine meeting of some JLA members who are meeting in secret, uh, away from sort of the Trinity's eye. Uh, it's Hawkman, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Zatanna, uh, the Atom, and Elongated Man himself. Um, at the end of the issue, Ralph is blaming Dr. Light for some reason, for reasons we don't know yet. And that they are going to go after him. Um, so, so at this point, I, w- I was trying to be, you know, open-minded and a little charitable upon reread of this. And at this point, uh, again, aside from the the torture porn of the positive pregnancy test and the, just the awful scene there, <laughs> I I think this isn't a bad setup for a mystery. Right. Um, you know, and I and I and I actually really liked. I appreciated it more definitely in this first issue than I did as the series went along. But I think Regs Morales on art, he does some really great stuff with with character acting. I, I think the way that the characters um, emote sometimes it's over the top, but like the acting is pretty good. If you look at that scene, there's a scene where it's. I didn't mention it because it's not important to the plot, but. Um, Clark Superman is is at Ma and Pa Kent's house and there's a lot of really they're at the breakfast table there's a lot of really fun um spirited acting from all the characters and I I think the art does a really great job with that 
some most of the time half of the time maybe yeah yeah See, I, I, that's interesting oh go ahead brian i i think you're gonna say what i was gonna say so go ahead i i actually like didn't in this reread i i found the art to be a lot less enjoyable than i did the first time i read it I, I thought that it didn't look very good most of the time and i think the the thing that still looked good and i think the thing that really kind of appealed to me about this era of comics when I was getting in compared to older stuff is the coloring. Mm -hmm. I, I forget. I meant to look up who the colorist was on this book. I have a read um, Give me one second. You, okay. Um, it, um, the coloring in this era of comics was a lot more, I don't, I don't even like know exactly how to, to describe it. it. It was like much more crisp. Um, mm -hmm it was clearly like getting into like digital was I think like more artists were moving to like digital coloring and things and, but not like the kind of like weird digital coloring that like, I think the nineties are kind of known for it's Alex a Sinclair, lot less garish. Yeah. Sinclair who would like go on to like ink a lot of like, uh, Ivan Ray stuff, a lot of Jim Lee stuff. Color, not um, color. That's sorry. I meant I meant coloring. Yeah, sorry. Would go on to color a lot of their stuff, um, and kind of defined. I think the mid two thousands color palette for DC, um, which I still think looks really good. To it, like it, it, yeah, it, it was like very appealing to me. But yeah, artistically, like the pencils aren't very good to me. Um, there's a lot of like weird facial features a lot of weird anatomy um a <laughs> lot more than i remembered um mm -hmm. male and female um I, I think all that's true but I, I i still appreciated like the 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 emoting like i, I still found a, like i said about half of it charming i would say that if you look at this book as a melodrama the art is very melodramatic like it, it, it fits yeah. the tone of the book, for what it is. I think, mm -hmm. but I don't particularly like what it is. So I guess that's why <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, but I, can I point out just one page where I do think that Morales did a really nice job, which is the sure. um the double page spread of the attendees at the funeral. I feel like there's a lot in there that if you know, if you were reading DC at this time. There's a lot of good character stuff in there. And I don't know if that's Morales or if that's Meltzer, but like you see Mary Marvel is really broken up because right before this, she and uh, Sue are both part of the like, I can't believe it's not the Justice League, whatever that was called, that like the Bwahaha reboot book. Uh, you see yeah. um, you just see a lot of characters like together. Like you see uh, Arsenal standing next to, to Dick Grayson and like all the Titans are together. It's just I think that scene is constructed very well. It sort of puts the heroes in interesting combinations that are very relevant for this period of DC. But I don't know how much value that has outside of guys like me. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because even even I mean like I've never read any of that stuff, so I don't even have that connection there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do have, I do have to I am contractually obligated to point out this is the last appearance of uh Jack Knight in the DCU sitting next to Courtney Whitmore and Kyle Rayner at the funeral. The very last one. Uh this I think he might have appeared in a flashback, but this is the like this is timeline-wise the last appearance of Jack Knight. Wild. 
All right. Okay. So any any thoughts on issue one before we move on? And Emily, if you have any of those like uh, uh, questions or things as as we go along, just drop uh, them on us. Yeah. No. I mean, I I didn't really have strong feelings about the art, um, but I I kind of agree that uh, with Zach that like. I, th I felt like when a really strong emotion was being portrayed, like grief or anger, I felt like I always felt like there was something a little off or weird mm. about the face is how I would put it. I was like, this is either I, I almost felt like it was too much sometimes, sure. most it, of the time. It's also it's not helped that the character who is doing the most of that emoting is the elongated man whose face okay, like, I, like breaks but, apart yeah, at times, like, you know, so it's, yeah. uh, it doesn't Yeah, and I sort of figured that was why he looked a little weird sometimes, but yeah. But yeah, but even even like Batman later, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about, because um, uh, even Batman later like growls at somebody and it it's <laughs> so it's so clearly an attempt uh, to make these superheroes seem like they could snap at any minute. Yeah. Again, it's like Twisted. this. <laughs> How many times are we going to say that on yeah. the show? Yeah, I know. That's it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're we're gonna we're gonna keep count. It's gonna be good. We're gonna have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's clearly making this seem like oh god, we're seeing a side of these characters that we don't normally see type thing. Um. And yeah, I, I think you guys are right. I think it is over the top. I, I yeah. I I'm talking more about like the small moments, like at the breakfast table, where like. Right. Oh, okay. I can appreciate what he's going. It's it's a little bit of comedy because, like, at one point, I know this. Walter tweeted something about this, but uh, <laughs> at one point, Ma Kent says, uh, "I bet Batman doesn't do this to his parents." Or whatever. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, and there's a great like Superman like deadpan reaction yeah. face. Yeah. So I was trying to find like little bits and pieces to appreciate in this thing, and so, some of that was charming to me. I thought I thought a lot of um. Oh God, I'm going to make this, I, I'm going to try not to say green lantern when I mean green arrow, but I thought a lot of like green arrows expressions were, were good. I don't know. I just, I, I thought yeah. like his little expressions were also like sort of, I don't know, effective. I wonder if that's because he's more measured in his reactions. Yeah. Yeah. He is kind of your like, um, your, your fairy man through this story a little bit. And yeah, I kind of liked him the most. Yeah, yeah, he's to, the best. Yeah, if I had to pick a character to like in this, um, <laughs> they, they definitely. I, I felt like. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting something, but like, I felt like Ralph Divney had a couple scenes where I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like in the first issue, he says something like, um, "The the hero. I'm I, I'm sorry, I don't know their name, but the the, the sort of minor hero you mentioned when uh, he's on the stakeout with Firehawk, asks him, Firehawk, yeah." yeah asks him um how'd you meet your wife and he's like uh not to be sexist or anything but batman never asked me that yeah. and i was yes. like what and then he goes on to talk about her like he's obsessed with her which he is yeah like, he's a, he's a wife guy it doesn't yeah. even yeah it doesn't make he any very much I didn't a think guy. His, his reaction didn't make any sense to me i, I no. didn't understand that like it was just it just made him look like a dick i don't yeah. <laughs> i i 100 agree with you and that is a great bridge to the second issue <laughs> Okay. Can, yeah. Should we should we should we yeah, jump along ahead. here? Sure. Yeah. Uh, right at the beginning of the second issue, you see uh, Ray Palmer, the Adam, talking to Jean, uh, his ex-wife. They're divorced. Um, 
immediately Ray Palmer basically outs himself as a family court men right, men's rights guy. That's right. Um, because he, because in his narration he says something about uh, of course she got half in the or whatever. Oh, I, I, you know what oh I mean. my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, she I got tried... half his patent rights. Oh my That's god! That's right, half the patent rights. Yes. I, I tried. I tried to find a meme after i read that i think there was like this, i mean zach you might know what i'm talking about there was like this pokemon character that's wearing like a hawaiian shirt and he's look like he's shrugging it's like yeah my wife got my wife got the boat and the divorce and like people people use that as sort of to make fun of like you know divorce divorce guys i guess divorce dad energy yes. that's kind of the that was kind of the feeling i got from that scene yes but. absolutely oh that you nailed it yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and I, I think now is probably an opportune time to mention that uh, Brad Meltzer is one of those. Uh, first of all, he's a, he's a never Trump conservative. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yep. yep. Um, he's also one of those like epic secret history conspiracy guys. He's not not like a not like a pizza gator or a Q guy, but okay. like a, like a um, uh, Da Vinci's he's like a Dan code. Brown, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like a yeah. Da Vinci's code guy. He oh totally yeah. and he totally thinks that like all the presidents had secret Freemason shit that they were doing and uh there is a secret history of the United States that will be one day unveiled. Like that's him to a nut. Well that, that's all that's yeah. epic. <laughs> that's base that, and epic. that will happen. Yeah. Except we've already seen it. It's Assassin's Creed. Yeah. <laughs> right. He probably thinks what's that what's that line from Assassin's Creed that's so stupid? He probably thinks that's an awesome line. What everything yeah. is Nothing is. Oh, every, yeah. Everything is permitted, or no? I know. Yeah, everything is permitted. Nothing is something, or I don't <laughs> I know. I can never remember it. I can't either. Oh, that's really anyway, that's yeah. it's really good though. <laughs> and how nothing, bad it is. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. That's there. It. You go. So I yeah. think that I think it's a good time to point out that like throughout this thing, there are some very like dated, kind of like gender role, politics. God, kind yeah. of lots of groaners throughout this thing, um, including like, and they're 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 usually just little asides like that, you know. Well, this yeah. was right before the social justice warriors took over yeah. comics. So. That's, true. <laughs> That's true, right? Yeah. yeah, this is a good age. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say like, yeah, the sexism. Like, I mean, it's okay. Like, if you want to portray something like sexist happening in your comic, it's fine. But like, it doesn't really. Yeah, like it's like he said, it's like an aside. It's like they didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's have Ralph be like, why would you ask about my wife? Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like 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 these broads, am I right? Like that was like, that was what it felt like a lot of the time. See what's yeah. what, what's frustrating about that is that there's a really great moment in this issue where the Justice League, the the Doctor Light Truthers are meeting, and um, <laughs> and uh, somebody says. Uh, I think it's I think it's Ollie says I see you Wally because Wally's like there, and then he says I see you too Kyle, and then Kyle says How'd you do that? And he says I bluffed. Like that's a great Green Arrow. That. That's yeah. a great Green Arrow character Sorry. moment. And there are, there are parts of this of this story that Meltzer is able to do really good character moments for these characters, yes. and that's yeah, why I it's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there are also other moments that are I think like kind of like. BS like him I don't know if it's in this issue but he kind of like flips the Flash Green Lantern roles of like 
oh well kyle's like barry but wally's like hal i mean that, that and, that's kind of been a thing in the green lantern comics up to this point like of that era, well that was that was a thing was it yeah sort of okay well i've not read those and i think that's dumb but <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Brian. I think I think when it comes, if there's any writing that has to do with moving the plot along, or, or um, you know, that's 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 intimately involved with these characters as they relate to the plot, it's usually pretty bad. There are some really strong asides that almost have nothing to do with the plot itself, but just the characters as as they existed in the DCU at this time. Um, so I, I, I think there's a distinction there. It's not, it's not all bad, but pretty much yeah. anything relating to the plot is. <laughs> and it did kind of feel like almost all plot. Yeah, there's like, a lot of plot. It, it, and I thought the narration was really bad. Like, I thought it was really badly written. Like, it was so, um, what's the word? It was so, like, severe. I, I just, it was so, like, miserably written. I, I didn't like it at all. Like yeah. the action, like the, the 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 square rectangle boxes, like that those that narration I thought was really bad most yes. of the time. <laughs> I would agree. And it it's... usually is anytime it's, it's used in in Cape Comics, <laughs> it almost is always bad. <laughs> but it it is intentionally very. I feel like it's very um. It's very detached and and almost um, grim and pessimistic about everything that's going on. Yeah. And and obviously it's meant to be a pessimistic story, but like even the moments, even the moments of happiness are delivered with this like joyless tone in the, yes. in the narration. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then uh, moving along to make matters worse, we get the Dr. Light flashback to the JLA watchtower. Yes. Where he, yes. <laughs> where, where he ends up assaulting Sue Dibney this is honestly probably as graphic as, as a DC comic that's not like a black label title could pretty much get, right? Like yes, he's got her right. pinned down. It's horrible. It's bad. It's really miserable. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Here is my big issue with this. Like I, I so this is this is obviously going to be hard to talk about because I don't think that there should ever be things that are off limits in comics, right? Comics are, are sure. a medium. And so it's not a genre, it's a medium. And so just like you say, there, there, there can be songs about anything or books about anything or, you know, art about anything. So I'm not saying this shouldn't happen. But is there a right. lazier way to tell you this guy's really bad than not only does he rape, does he rape somebody, but he says to all that guy's friends, and I'm gonna rape your wives too. Like it's just, it's the, it's the <laughs> absolute. Shows them, a, shows them a hologram of it. Yeah, oh exactly. Yeah, it, it is. Was... It is just like it's the, it's the single laziest way to let you know this guy is really bad. It was so stupid. It was, I wasn't even really offended by it. I just thought it was so dumb. I, I just like because I mean, okay, you're right. I mean, I think, I think you know comics should be able to you know show horrible things happening but like they didn't really do anything to explore or or say anything about such a horrible moment it was just like here's the reason this guy's bad now yeah because yeah. from what i understand asking walter i was like so <laughs> this character is he known for this 
I mean, he goes, no. After this, he very much <laughs> is. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. he spends like the next seven years, like, yeah, being being the rape guy. So, um, so, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Emily, because because this is what this series is, intends to do. Doctor Light, Doctor Light, before this series, like in the Silver Age or whatever, was kind of a goofy joke character, mm-hmm. more more or less. This series is like intentionally saying that he, no, he was actually a monster. He was this Joker-esque psycho monster, <laughs> and then we changed his personality to make him a goofball. Oh my god, that's, that's yeah. the dumbest idea I've ever heard. It, it's really the stupidest thing about this comic, I think. Yes. When I read it, I was like, and it's like, oh, this is just a reason to make goofballs like extreme now and a hardcore. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. and then I mean. I, we haven't even gotten into the the mind wiping shit, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, I, I I would prefer there just not be a backstory at all. If you want to make Doctor Light some like hardcore badass, like just do it. I guess I don't yeah, know why this needed to be done. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's boy. it's very weird. It's a very weird bit of retconning that that says like, oh no, it's like Zach was saying earlier, like, oh, you thought Doctor Light was a joke? He was. He was actually an animal, you know? Right. It was like if you took Zorak from Space Ghost Coast to Coast or something and made him evil. I mean, you know, like like scary or something. Like That's just so yeah. stupid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. No. No, not good. Okay. So then, <laughs> so then the rest of this issue is basically the, the, the JL team – um, the Doctor Light Truthers. Call they, them what they are. They're the Doctor Light Truthers. The, the Doctor Light Truthers uh, talking about how they had mind wiped him and changed the personality, and how this was a this was a major like turning point because because the the, the main Justice League would definitely not agree with doing this, um, and of course we learn more about this as the series goes on. It didn't happen exactly the way that we saw it in this issue, um, and then so so in in. In the current time, uh, Ralph and the team are going to get Dr. Light at his home, and Deathstroke is there, uh, ready to fight them at his doorstep. Uh, Zach, you want to... The scene, the scene, though. (laughs) Speak on it. I thought this was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was... Yeah, I was going to say, I thought this was the only cool part. I thought this fight was kind of neat. Well, I mean, part of it is based based for sure. Yeah, but I was gonna say, like, I I feel like the one villain that everybody gets, that everybody loves to write is Deathstroke because he's just the best at what he does. Not 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 to pull a Wolverine quote on you there, but like you know, it's just um, he's fun to write because he's so much better than everybody else is, and so his fight scenes can be a lot of fun. I thought this was a. I liked this fight, but I this is one other part where I thought the narration dragged it down like so much. It was so lame. It was like, but of course he saw it coming. Like it, the, the the narration. I'm sorry to keep using this word, but I kept trying to do these like epic lines about how great this guy was. I'm like, I can see how great he is. Like, I right. don't know. I just wish there had been less narration. God, especially because once you, <laughs> once you reveal that you um. Once you reveal that he uses ninety percent of his brain, that's all you have to say. You don't have yeah. to keep hammering the his greatness home. 
Well, yeah. Meltzer, Meltzer's narration sometimes comes off as like a who's who type thing where like yeah. he's writing narration about Deathstroke. So he has to make sure to use everything <laughs> that you know about Deathstroke in the narration instead of like you said, Brian, just saying like he uses 90 percent of his brain and then letting the fight play out because you can see all of it happening, you know. And the narration doesn't even make sense some of the time because there's one there's one line I remember where I think this is in the next issue. I think I'm getting ahead of myself because the fight doesn't actually happen till the next, right, issue. next but, issue. Yeah. But but he says something like uh, next Slade goes. Uh, this is I think it's I think it's Ollie narrating. Oh, and he says, sorry. <laughs> well, I okay. thought that fight happened this issue. Whoops. It's no, that's OK. That's issue. all right. Okay. Oh, OK. It starts. Yeah. Let's just move on then. At, sure. At one point, he uh, Ali goes, next, he goes for long-range weapons. But in the panel, he's going after Hawkman, who has a mace. Uh, right. And then, <laughs> Not a long-range weapon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then and then Ali said, Ali's, like, firing an arrow, and he's like, I may as well be standing. He's too quick. I may as well be standing still. Well, you are. You're standing there firing. Your, like, in the <laughs> panel, he's standing there firing his bow. He is standing still. So like you're right, you're right, Emily. Not only is the narration like overbearing, but it's right. not even really describing what's going on in the panels, you know? Yeah. Um. So yes, I complete. I think you nailed that. Just like too much, I think it just it just stopped having any sort of impact on me. I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, just let me look at the the panels. That's why I'm reading a comic. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, one thing before we move on to three in earnest, just at the end of issue two, that's where Dr. Midnight, we see him doing the autopsy and discovering that Sue was not actually killed by Dr. Light. So, yep. yeah, dun dun. All I right. thought it was cool to see superheroes using their powers in autopsies. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. neat. Dr. I'm just, I'm like Marge holding the potato. Like, I, I just think that's neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent uh, reference. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I talked over you, Brian, I think. No, no, I, I was saying Dr. Midnight's a good character. Like, that's – and this is a good yeah. use of – unfortunately, okay. this this is his use in, like, most of the events going forward. Is He's just – he's always yeah. the right. autopsy guy. Okay. <laughs> a lot of okay, bodies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, in the, ne- in the next issue, uh, issue three, the fight kind of plays out. Um and at one point, the, all the members of the JLA that are there are overpowering Slade in the same way that they did years ago to Dr. Light. And Dr. Light sees, again, very dumb moment. He, see, he sees them all wrapped around Slade like this, and it reminds him of what they did to him and that they wiped his mind. Which, like, why? How does that work? Yeah. I guess you have to have him, like, remember something. <laughs> I guess, because... yeah. Otherwise, like, you can't have this sort of, like, angst about, oh, no, yeah. are the heroes actually bad? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a very convenient and, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Very dumb, dumb comic booky <laughs> way to have him recall what happened. Not um, only recall what happened, but also conveniently project it into Wally West's mind. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. confused me. I was a little confused about like pretty much this entire uh, something in every issue confused me. But yeah, I, I was like, I, I, I mean, I sort of followed the general trajectory of the of the plot. But yeah, there were a couple things where I was like, wait, what? Like, what are Doctor Light's powers? 
he could just he could do like light. I mean, I mean, obviously yes. light. But he I, can I do didn't light. Really understand yes. it. He can I do mean, light. Okay. He, do he light, does. Yeah. He does a mean rave show. If you, <laughs> he's like a, he's a DJ and he does raves and. I mean, there was like a scene where, like, I think it was the second issue where like there was a big flash and Sue was like, ah, I was like, oh, I guess he can do like like a camera flash. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny yeah. to think about because the, the scene was so like morbid, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then, so, so Wally, Wally's there and he was not there when they, when they mind wiped, uh, Dr. Light. And so he's kind of probing them for, for more of the story. And, uh, Ollie ends up admitting that he was actually against the altering of Dr. Light's personality. He actually punched Hawkman over it and they got into a, an argument and, and, but yet again, we don't get the whole story yet. Um, because, you know, every couple issues they have to reveal a little bit more because it's the only way any of this remotely works as a story. <laughs> they just they just don't have Ollie tell him some things, you know. Um, and then at the end of the issue, we see uh, Jean Loring, uh, Ray Palmer's ex-wife, being uh, hanged over her front door. Um, yeah. Yeah, from a very odd perspective, which we... We will learn more about later. But actually, this is where I want to bring up, Emily, something that you had been saying oh, no. offline about this. No, about how oh. about how in this story, characters are calling one another by their first names a lot. Okay. And yeah. nobody nobody's calling one another by their superhero names. Uh, okay, I will say that I was like, I mean, I'm being like somewhat serious about it. Um, and I, I know you did have some, you did have a legit, thing to say bouncing off what i said i do want to say i understand why they're if they're friends they're calling each other their names i was just like mad that i was reading this number one and two that i was like i don't know who these characters are i was like welcome I know to bruce... my life <laughs> i was like i know who bruce wayne is call him bruce i know i know superman i know uh i don't know a couple more um but like yeah like like how kyle and stuff i was like forgetting whose people's names were and i was like i wish they would just call them their superhero names. I mean, it's a very shallow reason for thinking that. But uh, sorry, no, Vince, go on. No, I think it's a. I think it's a, a legit thing. But the the reason I wanted to bring it up is because that's yet another way. And and you guys can call bullshit on me if I'm if I'm pulling this out of my ass. But I I'm feel ready. like. <laughs> I feel like, in the two thousands, there was a concerted effort to have superheroes call one another by their first names because it sounded more serious. Mm. It sounded more serious than having Wonder Woman go, well, Superman, what do you think about? Well, Wonder mm. Woman, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not making this up, but I think DC Comics was, and again, not that it is a small point. Like Emily is right that if you're not versed in comics <laughs> and you don't know who these characters are, it would be helpful if they called one another by their superhero <laughs> names a little more. But like, I do think that there was a, a decided effort, and I think Jeff Johns does this a lot, where we're calling one another by our by our human names. <laughs> human human's not the right word, but you know, real names, yeah. By our by our yeah by our, our Christian by names. Our, by, <laughs> given, yeah. <laughs> yes. Famous, oh man, that's all Christian identity stuff. crisis needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like some religious storyline. Ah, uh, do I have a? St you should read Kingdom Come. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but you but you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Yeah. I feel like there was a push towards doing that because it made them seem more serious and less ridiculous than walking around calling, you know, saying, uh, you know, hey, Catman, get over here. Right, yeah. You know, I, I think it only bothers me if I feel like and I can't really point to specific moments, but it's a feeling I have where it feels like they're a little ashamed to use superhero names. You know what I mean? Like, I, yes. I, I think of like. I think of the the famous, I mean, I guess infamous, like scene of in like Fantastic Four where they like don't they don't finish saying Fantastic Four at the end of the. I mean, this is a movie, but I yeah. mean, it's sort of that same like syndrome. I think of yes. being a little bit ashamed, and that's the feeling I get. I think that's what bothers me the most. I mean, obviously, like if superheroes know each other and communicate in real life with their first names, it makes sense they would do that, mm-hmm. but. There is a little bit of a meta feeling of like, oh, they're just embarrassed of calling somebody like Catwoman. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. And I, I it's also a personal taste thing, I'm sure. But sure. like for my tastes, I like when I like when heroes are having like like intimate moments with one another and then they say, you know, Hal, this is how this is how I feel or this is what I feel sure. about you. And why you've oh. been reading all those Eros comics recently. But when they're in the field or when they're when they're when they're fully in costume or when they're in the field, when they're fighting, whatever, then they should be going by their code names. And that's yes. a very like that's a very yeah. nerdy thing for me to say and to want, but I that's that just is there's some small part of me that feels that way. No, I agree with that. I think like look like sort of um zooming out a little bit like reading it, I like I guess I don't know, this is kind of weird a weird thing to say, but like it, it feels a little dumb for them to be fighting and like using all their powers and stuff and say like, you know, "Hal, Kyle." I'm just like I don't know, like I it doesn't. I was like, this is supposed to be fun superhero stuff. I mean, I mean, I guess not identity crisis, but I mean, like, I don't know, just superhero comic. So use, use your superhero names, Vince. <laughs> this is this is funny. I think this might be in a Brad Meltzer comic. There's a whole thing where it's after Hal returns from the dead, and he is fighting alongside uh, Connor Hawk. Not Connor Hawk. No, I'm sorry, uh, Roy Harper, and. He's they're in battle and he doesn't remember what his current name is. So he calls him Red Arrow because he's wearing a red costume and that becomes his name because of that because of like that exact moment. And so like okay. I I think that there was a concerted effort in good comics to have superheroes use their code names in in person yeah. in public, but this just this yeah. just muddies those waters because that's what this book does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I don't, I don't feel like super strongly about this. I'm not saying it, like, you know, categorically, it's bad. They shouldn't call each other their first names. I mean, obviously not. But I just feel like, like I said, and like Vince, um, sort of expanded upon it. Just there, I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of a feeling of shame and uh, trying to be like too serious. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of comics that have done it well. I just, I just really felt it in this one particularly. No, I, I, I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But sorry, that's. Uh, no, kinda, I, I kind of went off of that, but yeah. That's, that's what we do here. Yeah. All right, you know what, Vince, um, before we get to the next issue, you, you want to take a break? Sure. All right, so we'll return in just a minute with the back half of Identity Crisis. 
Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back. Vince, you were starting with issue number uh, four, correct? Yep. All right. So the Adam shows up to save uh, Gene from the hanging. And uh, then the JLA starts investigating the scene, just like they did with the the uh, Sue Dibney murder. And they're not finding anything unusual. The heroes start to go out and... Uh, like they go look, they look good. They go look for suspects. Slipknot being one of them. Uh, the Slipknots. The slip. The Slipknots. They're slipping on nuts. Uh, well, lucky fell down. I slipped on some nuts. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's, deep. it's a deep cut. It's a, it's... Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, yeah, they they go kind of barking up the wrong tree with him just because he's able to tie knots really well, I guess. Uh, Which villains were Boy Scouts? Yeah, right. I've never heard of this villain before. No one has, don't worry. Yeah, no one has. He's an extremely minor guy. Um, I think he was in the Suicide Squad movie, though. That's Okay, yeah, I remember them saying he was in Suicide Squad, and then they were like, no one from Suicide Squad could have done this. I was like, oh, I know what that is. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, Um, so it wasn't the Joker. (laughs) <laughs> uh, actually it would have been really cool if it was the joker i'm, I'm not kidding but... <laughs> that twisted. yeah uh, <laughs> um meanwhile we see captain boomerang also of the suicide squad um reuniting with his son at this point but zach zach you're getting so horny over there what's going on this whole subplot is like what what was go this? ahead Ip. go ahead um this That's i don't it. even I don't even know exactly. Like, this is everything that's good and bad about DC Comics, like, <laughs> yes. in this span of years. It's all of it. It's like, this is it. <laughs> it is. So, also, so, I, I, I had like, forgotten about this. I knew that this Same. was in here, but then I thought about it, and I remembered that spoilers for a few weeks from now or a few months from now. <laughs> if I remember this correctly, doesn't Black Lantern Captain Boomerang kill his son during Blackest Night? Probably. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how this all ends up. Um, so, so good. So this is part of like this weird subplot where there's this... So basically, the calculator, uh, the C-list villain, not the Kraftwerk song, is like the oracle <laughs> of the villains here, where like he's like helping people get jobs and villainy and shit. And so there's there's this, there are these scenes that take place on on an old injustice gang satellite with all these z-list villains like just chit chatting and playing board games and talking about jobs and it never this, really goes anywhere. Yeah, this confused me so much. I yeah, I didn't realize this this like had barely any bearing on anything. Yeah, like literally all it is is like a red herring for the reader. 
because at the end you learn that the person that was hiring uh, for these jobs was not any villain, but you know, yeah. Well, we'll see. That's that's literally what all of this was for. And I, I think it was there to mislead the the reader a little bit as a mystery. Um, but also, also what it is, is I think the stuff with boomerang and his son was a deliberate setup for like the next few years of, of DC comics for the character for flash five G for flash five G that is a deep cut with with boomerang's son you said or actually boomerang with boomerang and his son like oh his son took over oh what what were you gonna say uh, sorry i was gonna say uh i don't know if it happened but i mean i mean something happens to boomerang that makes me think that he dies but i guess i mean he does die but then he yeah he comes comes back back. in blackest night that's what he's back he's good again yeah that's fine that's not stupid to me that's totally fine (laughs) yeah um Yeah, uh, I feel like Comics, both. Yeah. both... Look, one Piece is better. Okay, we'll admit it. <laughs> uh, hey, I didn't say anything. I feel like Zach, both Zach the. Uh... That yeah, that's all Zach says anymore. Week in and week out. Um, but I, I feel like. Comics, baby. <laughs> I feel like both the Captain Boomerang <laughs> stuff and the Tim Drake stuff are just there. Like the purpose of them is just to bum you out. Like there's really, yeah. in terms of plot, there's there's not much there. It's just that, man, things are really bad. You know how bad they are? Well, Check this shit out. Yeah. This, is, this is also like that good like mid two thousands comic stuff where like events are all just about like shaking up the status quo, mm-hmm. and like that's the good stuff. Like this stuff isn't good, but the idea <laughs> of it is really good. The idea is good. The effect, yeah. the effect is good. The effect is super good. Like we come out of this with like several new characters certain characters in like drastically different places and it's miserable but it's like absolutely yes change illu- illusion, illusion of change, of change. Yeah. illusion of change which is like the, the good thing about american comics absolutely yeah <laughs> what was the deal with his mom not actually being his mom I don't oh, remember. I have no recollection of that. I don't remember. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna look it up. Keep talking, guys. That's Keep talking. that's to tease. That's to tease that he's a speedster. Oh, that I vaguely remember that. Right, yeah. but, but we yeah. don't. But we still don't know why. We I, I, at this point we have no idea why why he's a speedster. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just and just up who his mom is. Who is it? <laughs> Future, 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 uh, young Iris West. Close. It's very close. It's it's Melanie Thon, who's the daughter of of Eobard. Eobard. Yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, it, I I think I think it would really be fun if DC. I don't know where. So leading to for listeners and Emily or anyone who cares. Uh, Bleeding Cool was rumoring that the next Flash was going to be Captain Boomerang Son, which is insane because we haven't done anything with Captain Boomerang's son in (laughs) seven or eight years or what, you know, however long it's been. It would be so, it would be so wild if all of a sudden in the next like modern 2021 DC comics, he was back and he was the Flash. (laughs) That would be so insane to me. Oh my uh, gosh. 
I, I like the concept of Captain Boomerang. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I enjoy a uh, villain that throws a boomerang. That's neat. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fun. There's got to be a few of those in One Piece, right? <sighs> There's probably something like it, but I actually can't think of anyone that throws a boomerang, weirdly enough. <laughs> Specifically. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I kind of like the scene where they were like playing. They were like playing with the boomerangs. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like I was like it was like you were saying about like um, Brian like the family moments. I was like, okay, I can sort of see like they 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 sort of made attempts at like you know sweet heartfelt ish moments. But, but it's they... also really weird though. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I think that's why I liked it. I was thinking of that. Uh, <laughs> There, there's that Simpsons montage where Homer and Bart are building the soapbox derby racer, and they're playing that song "That's My Boy." And I was just picturing that yeah. song playing over this uh, over this montage of them playing with boomerangs together. Like, like I'm not saying it was necessarily good, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I agree. I'm I'm with. I you. remembered it. Yeah. This issue yeah. also has a um, a small bit of meta commentary, which bummed me out because. Uh, because it's just it's reflective of a thing we don't really like, or at least I don't I don't want to speak for everybody. The thing that I don't really like, which is Ollie says to to Spectre Hal, so Hal, when are you coming back? And he's like, when are you really coming back? And he says, I'm working on it, which is just like DC editorial just being like, fuck this new shit we've done for the last ten years. We're bringing back the old guys. And you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're supposed to read this scene <laughs> and pump your fist in the air, but it just makes me go like, ugh. Is that always like a sign that's like, oop? In like a couple months, you're gonna see this guy again. Well, like so, their own story. Yeah. so it, just to give you a very brief DC Comics history here, there's like, in the in the oh, 90s. Boy. Oh, shut up! In, in <laughs> the 90s, almost everyone who wasn't Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman, they introduced younger characters to sort of take on that mantle. Like here, we see Wally West, and we see Kyle Rayner as the Flash and Green Lantern. Those are characters that were introduced as either like sidekicks or just new versions of those characters. And so there yeah. were all these younger characters who were. I think people didn't like them simply because they weren't the original characters, but I think in many ways they're much more interesting than the original characters, and DC has just systematically eliminated them over the last, you know, 20 years to bring back yeah. the older characters again. So it's kind of like a wink to the audience. Yes, this is this is absolutely a wink to say that, like, I, don't worry, yeah. he'll be Green Lantern again. You won't have to deal with this more interesting character for long. Like, literally within a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which... It's crazy to think about, like, how this book is essentially, like, like I said, it's about taking nostalgia and show, and being like, oh, that thing, you know, the stories that you liked and the way things were, it was actually really, it was bad. You just didn't yeah. know. But also, like, we're going to, this is, like, the beginning of DC. Or, and it actually already started, but this was, like, right before it, like, really kicked into high gear where DC just was, like, all about nostalgia and bringing back all the old characters and like yeah. these are the characters that you like remember uh yeah <laughs> like um uh i don't even i was trying to think i, I still can't remember the name of that uh bolt minor villain in the first oh, issue oh, yeah he's not i had to look that up i said walter do you know who this is he's like nope i was like okay good <laughs> but anyway okay so uh brian already mentioned the the hal jordan specter scene ollie basically summons hal to just straight up ask him who gene's killer is 
he knows, but he's compelled by the Spectre spirit of vengeance not to say, uh, I work for a higher power or I, whatever he says. Um, and then meanwhile, Lois receives a threatening letter saying that whoever this presumed killer is knows who her husband really is. So it's, it's meant to ramp up this idea that whoever the killer is is specifically targeting the spouses of our heroes. Going for the wives. Going for the wives. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. All right. Issue five. Anything else on issue four before we move on? I don't think so. Okay, so issue five begins with the JLA basically like shaking down all the various villains and interrogating them because it's got to be somebody and they're at the end of their rope, you know. So, so they're going around. All the different teams are going after different villains. Um, and then meanwhile, we see Ray and Gene, uh, who remember at this point are divorced, rekindling that flame. Um, they're, oh, yeah, they're getting it on. Um, and so let's see. Uh, oh, we also see like kind of in all this fighting that's going on, we see Firestorm get stabbed with Shining Knight's sword by accident. And okay. it's, yes, oh, go ahead. sorry. I, I know, I know what you're going to say. Who, who is and, this? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Firestorm or Shining Knight? Fires. Everything. <laughs> Both. Okay, so like th- this is one of those instances where Brian. By the way, Brian is that Sorry. guy in the shades at the sporting event that has his arm around that girl and is. <laughs> no, I'm not. She asked a question. No, 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 I, I did ask. Fuck okay, no, I'm you, only asking dude. this because because it really it, it, it wasn't something I felt I could just forget about. Like it was in the background. Like it happened and it felt really important. I was like, who is this? What? And then they don't even really spend any time on it. I didn't understand this. Well, was no, so Brian is that person, me. though, anytime that I, I, we're, we're sitting there and I ask him one my bit of minutia about Kyle Rayner. And he, like, and I answer it because you me, asked me a question, you condescending prick. No, I, I, I explain no. the whole Ron Mars Green Lantern run to me. No, Zach, I'm going to be like this uh, in the one part in one piece that we're going to do tomorrow where all the warlords <laughs> get announced. Be like, be like oh. who's that? I'm like, no, let me, no, let me explain. I just, I like, just reread that today to refresh <laughs> myself, and I was just giggling. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm sitting back, ready to hear about who. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. Was. I'm not gonna say a goddamn word. <laughs> okay. Brian. I want to know. Brian, I was just Brian, we love you. All right. <laughs> Come on. I actually don't even know which firestorm this is right now. So like, like I don't know who is firestorm right now. There's two people within firestorm, Emily. Well, right now I think there's only one. Cause right now there's only one. There's only one. This was Ronnie right. Raymond. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Brian, come on. Come back to us. What okay. I was going I, to I say before I was insulted for trying to be helpful to our friend was that <laughs> um, like this is a classic DC character that a casual DC reader would have recognized is, is essentially a flying nuclear reactor. Like, And that's okay, all you need to know about of... it. That's kind of all you need to know yeah. about this part is that that's just yeah, that's who I'm he is. Yeah, because I'm reading this description this one sentence description of like what happens it says firestorm's nuclear powers reach critical mass and he detonates in the atmosphere yeah and i'm like um that seems like a big deal um and i guess it was but but it, but it kind, kind of, of like wasn't like you know so yeah it, it's treated very very like, here's my problem with so much of this issue of this so much of this series rather <laughs> is just that like 
I, I think that this is actually a clever way to take Firestorm off the table if there's a reason to get rid of Firestorm. But in story, there's absolutely no reason to get rid of Firestorm here. This doesn't <laughs> elevate any bit of the story. There is nothing that you learn about the overarching like, mystery because Firestorm gets blown up. They just wanted to blow up Firestorm. It well, it's, like... also, it's also... Oh, go ahead, Emily. No, I was going to say, I was like, yeah, I love Grimby. Everyone's talking about Firestorm. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, they're acting like they, I mean, I mean, obviously I didn't know who it was, but I was like, I, yeah, like, like, as far as like the wider context of the story, it didn't seem to fit in like at all, but. No, yeah, it didn't. It, it felt more like, it felt <laughs> like two things to me. It felt like just pouring it on because there's a couple more deaths in this issue that are to come and and also it felt like something that was meant for the greater dcu rather than this story itself like brian was saying we're gonna take firestorm off the table all right i'll kill him in this story mm. done yeah. you know which which is then funny because i just got done saying about how this era of dc was all about bringing back the old heroes but then this kills one of the old heroes is gonna introduce a new firestorm within the next like two years yeah um, firestorm has a weird journey throughout all these years um up to up to like brightest day uh i'm sure we're gonna revisit firestorm plenty as we as we do these modern events this was also awesome. at, at the risk of being called whatever i'm gonna be called for this i was gonna say this was also a uh, like an early example of some of the right-wing comics fans being really mad that a white character was killed and replaced with a black character Oof. because the new firestorm is an african-american character and people were not pleased about that at the time because oh yeah um yeah and then for a while well, that's, yeah. yeah yeah so it's just you know it's i i feel like this is this is very much a uh an unfortunate an unfortunate inclusion in this story because, like we said, it doesn't really do anything, and it was also yeah. it, it it was lambasted for good and bad reasons. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Obviously, what you just said is is a very bad reason for yes disliking yeah. it. But yeah, this yeah. In the context of the story, it's bad too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yep. Um. Okay. So then the the final scene of this issue is um. Jack Drake, Tim Drake's dad, receives a threatening note. And meanwhile, Robin has just left uh, his house. Um, so he calls Oracle, basically tries to reach Robin to say, you know, I'm in trouble, whatever. Captain Boomerang breaks in. Uh, Jack was left a gun with the note. So he he grabs the gun. He shoots Captain Boomerang. <laughs> And then in a scene that is not supposed to be funny at all, but I could not help laughing out loud at, oh. like, at the last second, as Captain Boomerang is crumpling from the gunshot, he throws his boomerang <laughs> at Jack and kills him. Cool. And, yes, based. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was kind of silly. Very silly. Like, even sillier. Just the physics of it. Yeah. Even sillier is the fact that this issue is called Father's Day, which it has nothing to That's do with so anything stupid. except that a father just dies on the page. Fathers were involved. Yeah, exactly. Two fathers died. <laughs> yeah. Two dads disrespected again. Yeah. 
press F to pay respect. <laughs> if read um, with a certain accent, it could ma- it could maybe be read as father's die. Die. <laughs> father's die. I'm sure that's what. Oh Meltzer my god! I I wish that were I wish that were the case. <laughs> oh man. The father's right. I, right. I have a question about this scene, but but later I'll ask when we're done and we reveal no, go, everything. No, go for it now. Oh, is it okay if I just like spoil it? Yeah, we're spoilers wow. for the rest why? of Infinity Crisis at this at this point. Okay. Um. Why? What was the point of trying to assassinate? Uh. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Jack Drake. What was yes. the point of this? Because, like, was this just another like we're gonna target? loved yes. ones thing and she gave him the gun so it would so he'd have a chance because she so that him, he wouldn't get killed she gave him the gun theoretically oh, okay. so that he would kill captain boomerang and it would look like captain boomerang was the one who killed everybody else oh okay that because does sort of make sense she just expects this like guy who i forget what what <laughs> jack drake's job was but she essentially expects him to be like a, a sharpshooter and kill this guy before he can be killed himself. He's like, I gave you a gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What'd you do wrong? <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah, okay. I, I couldn't remember. I, I, I remembered that she didn't necessarily want him to die, but I couldn't remember the exact reason. Yeah, so it was to frame Captain Boomerang. All right. All right, I understand that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so issue six. Um this is where there, there's an investigation going on over the murder we just saw, the double murder we just saw happen. Um, Tim and Bruce enter uh, to find Tim's dad's body, and Owen, uh, which is Captain Boomerang's son, comes looking for his body, but that body has been taken by the government <laughs> to, to essentially hide it, uh, hide it away, hide it from the villains. Uh, the agent says something about uh, we know what the deal with you people is. You, you're coming back all the time. So so they're basically taking that body so that Digger won't be back anytime soon. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so basically at this point, Owen decides that he's going to take over as Captain Boomerang, continue his dad's legacy. I will his become dad, Captain Boomerang. Just, I'll become the, cap- the Boomerang <laughs> Captain. And his dad, who he just met like two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then after this, we get the scene where Wally finally gets the full story about the mind wiping, which this was Wizard Magazine's moment of the year, where it was revealed that they mind wiped Bruce Wayne because Bruce was also there. And oh, what were you gonna say, Brian? There's one more th- element to this, though. It's not just that they mind wiped Bruce Wayne, but that they mind wiped many villains. Like, it, yes, they basically yeah. established here, like whenever anybody figured out a secret identity, they mind wiped them. Yes. Which, which to me, that's almost mo- the most ridiculous part of this whole thing. Yeah. Because I feel <laughs> like you can make a dumb case for why they essentially had to lobotomize Doctor Light. And you can make a dumb case for why they essentially have to make sure that Bruce never remembers this. But the fact that they did this all the time seems like something that just, it seems like a bridge too far. Actually, yeah. really, I kind of feel like this makes like the most sense compared to the other thing. I think it makes sense from like a... Cause, well, like, this is specifically like 
like they did it. I mean, they probably did it a bunch of times, but the thing that they're like mentioning here is something that gets like told in another story eventually that Jeff Johns does in JLA. Have you guys ever read that? No. The Crisis of Conscience? I don't remember. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I think right after this, Jeff Johns did a story in JLA. Um, it had to be, it was before Infinite Crisis because it was in the, like, that volume of JLA before uh, before Infinite Crisis. And, and oddly enough, Meltzer took over. Um, where that scene that I think is, like, referenced in this issue where the villains, like, mind swap with the heroes and, like, learn their identities. Yes. It's all about, yeah. like, the fallout of that. Um, so that's also like what this little bit is building up. It, it's like setting up another story that would come after this too. Um, but I, I mean, I felt like that, that specific instance made sense in light of everything else that is in, you know, it, well, it, it did not make, and it was not weird that they would mind wipe them for the same reason that they mind wiped light. But, sure. but here's my problem with that, Zach, is I feel like. If I, I, I'm, I'm trying to like think of this in the in the fiction of the universe, right? But I feel like if they mind wipe them for that, then aren't there ten other instances that would fit into the mind wipe category? And are we supposed to believe that they just chose not to do it again, or that they were mind wiping more than they were saying? It just seems like this is a step too far for the heroes. Like, not it makes sense, but I think for the characters that we have been reading about for eighty years, it doesn't really make sense. Well, the you just didn't really know him. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I I know that's essentially the point of this, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of no. see what. No, I, I kind of see what you're saying, Brian. I think I think it's something that like it 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 could it does sort of make sense, but like it it's hard to explain why they would ever stop doing this once they start right. doing yeah. it. Yeah. Which I'm assuming they like don't keep mind wiping every single villain. <laughs> they don't. Because, but oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, no, I was done. Okay. They they don't, but it's funny because depending on the writer, it seems, and we've, you know, how long have we been doing the DC3 cast now, keeping up with current comics? Five years. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there are some writers, we've seen this happen, where they treat the idea of mind wiping as a bridge too far. Mm. There are other writers where they, they'll just have the heroes, like, just totally go ahead and do it like the teen titans are doing it right now in or or um damien right like they, they were yeah. mind wiping guys yeah yeah and it's not treated like identity crisis it's not I treated mean, it, like it, 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 is, it, is, it is treated like they're crossing a line yes but it's not treated like the, like this is a different tone entirely i think Hickman yeah. Hickman did this storyline better later in Avengers, and that's not me like on my bullshit at all. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, kind of is, but you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I know it is. I, know I, it is. <laughs> I have a question actually. Sure. Did Zatanna? So I can't remember if it was specified. Zatanna sounds like a Mortal Kombat character name, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes. I, that's the first thing I thought. I don't know if she's is she a big character. She's she like, pretty, yeah, yeah. Okay. She's she's had she's had big moments, but she's also one of the characters that I feel like gets ignored a lot. But anyway, okay. go ahead. she's she is pretty much your standard like mystic. Every time they bring the mystic heroes in, she's she's never right. left out. I'll say okay. that. Okay, I was gonna say like, 
so she she like deliberately chose to like lobotomize the um fuck dr light mm-hmm. okay i was gonna yes. say like I, I at first i was like confused i was like wait so i thought like she she had done that by um or like it was it was hard to erase just like the the rape scene i guess or or, or to sort of erase like his bad deeds and he, she basically had to like just erase his whole mind and i was wondering like well how could she then just erase this one memory from batman but i guess it's because she she ha- actually has like really specific pinpoint ability to do that if that makes sense but the, doesn't yeah. she kind of like, say that she she didn't exactly know what she was doing the first time <laughs> oh i don't i'm not sure i don't remember i don't, I don't remember it, it, it's also like her powers are so ill-defined being okay. like a magic person like she can her thing is that she does spells by saying words backwards anything right. that she says backwards happens so like that's cool um <laughs> just like what do you what, yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it is cool yeah although i hate to read it i always hate reading it. <laughs> right agreed, agreed, <laughs> yes although i'll say like it's a very elegant way to to do a spell in print mm-hmm. mm. yeah Okay, um, so yeah, so basically what happened was Bruce caught them in the act of the original mind-wiping, and so the vote was pretty much unanimous to mind-wipe Bruce because there's no way they'd be getting away with it if they didn't. Um, Meanwhile, we learned that Captain Boomerang was hired by Sue's real killer to go after Jack Drake, uh, and Dr. Midnight in the Wizard magazine cliffhanger of the year... Dr. Midnight finds tiny footprints inside Sue Dibney's brain, which ended up causing the stroke that actually killed her, not the fire, not, you know, anything else. Right. And it's weird because the very last page of this book, of this issue, tries to make it look like Ray Palmer is the killer because he's like, he's like lunging at Gene yeah. in a very like, but really he's just horny. Yep. That's what I thought. I thought it was him. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I thought, yeah. like, I thought that would have been better, actually, but I I don't know how what they would have done. It would have been better than what they did. Anything would have been better. It, it would have <laughs> been, it, it would have been, yes, I think it would have been better, but another phenomenon in superhero comics fandom is that, like, <laughs> if you were to make Ray Palmer a bad guy now. Oh, I see. That yeah. That would upset so many people, which, like, there's a there's a way to do anything, you know. Sure. There there would be a way to do that to make it really interesting, yeah. but I think like D- DC Comics editorial would be like, oh well, we can't we can't really make him the bad guy. So it's got to be his it's got to be his wretched wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also like her reason for for doing it is so dumb. But what would oh, his God. but what would his reason possibly be? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know what it would be, but I was like, oh, oh, cool. It was uh, the twist was that he was bad all along. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. But yeah, he's just jealous of like... their good marriage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So let's get to the final issue then. Issue seven. Um, in in my vote for the dumbest moment of this series, <laughs> Gene, Gene, Gene and Ray are talking kind of like in the midst of foreplay or something and gene yeah gene just casually mentions uh "Hmm, so they ever figure out who wrote the note and gave the gun to jack drake at the murder scene why that would ever come up when you're about to 
you know, get it on. Like, I don't like she's been so careful to this point and then just comes out and says that. I she's guess crazy. she's crazy. She's just a nutty broad. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess there's a phenomenon that like you'll hear prosecutors say this a lot that like if eventually like criminals want to tell their story, eventually they will give it up, you know? Yeah. But I, I just felt like this was such a stretch to just have her trip up at this moment, you know, yeah. with something so stupid. Who, who, who wrote that note that nobody ever saw, you know? And he's like, um, wait a minute. <gasps> my wife is the killer. Or, God, my my wife. ex-wife is the killer. My ex-wife is the killer. Uh, I, I, I was horny a second ago and now I'm mad. <laughs> Now, right. and he says his gut drops into his testicles. Yes, God, one, of, one of the worst fuck? bits of dialogue in this whole book. It's awful. <laughs> I remember, uh, like, reading. I was like, wait a minute, what? Ew. Cackling. <laughs> yeah, I probably laughed at that. I think I laughed when I realized what the twist was and, ro- and why. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean. And, and why want- is that? She She wanted him back. Yeah. Uh, that was it. She's like, I just thought if uh, I put other wives in danger, that uh, that that you would come back to me. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And she's like, it worked. It... She literally says it worked. Uh, there's so much <laughs> wrong with this. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. So so I mean, it is pretty po- problematic to have like this estranged wife have the only reason the only reason for her doing this for murdering somebody ends up being because she like missed her ex-husband and the awful relationship they had that's that's right. such a like that's so centering it that to, to me this whole com and i'm not trying to sound like a white knight here but like it makes it seem like the wives are just you know they're they're second they're second fiddle and they only exist to um, serve their husband is not the right. You know, you know what I'm saying, though. Be like, like the, the counterpart to the superhero. Yeah, but that—that's text, though. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, like, even, even to like, to a degree now, I think there are like very few like, wife characters other than like <laughs> Lois. Well, and, and like Dan, get agency, you know. Dan DiDio, there's very few husbands and wives. Period. With well, sure. Characters. I mean, and the relationships and, are still there, like regardless of, you know, continuity stuff messing with that. Generally, right. You know. Um, right. But very but few yeah, of them are ahead. actually very few of them are actually still married, and that that was very much a, a hallmark of the Dan DiDio editorial period at at yeah. dc i feel like just undoing all of that marriage is bad to Do, them yeah. yeah you think that's what this was is that like the thesis of of identity crisis is like y'all y'all don't want this <laughs> i i thought i did think this twist sort of like made the i guess i can charitably call it like the theme of the story kind of confusing like i I was like, okay, I'm following like this. I guess I understand what the identity crisis is, but like to have 
for, for for the heroes to be like, oh, we we sacrifice so much to when, when we like with our identities and stuff like that. We have so much to protect and to lose. But to have the villain of this be like just a jealous ex-wife, I I don't really know what that's supposed to mean, except mm-hmm. that don't trust don't trust women. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they had. Uh, a grander idea than that, but I thought I thought it was stupid. Maybe not. <laughs> muddled the muddled the meaning of, of it. I think. Yeah. Well, even more so, you know, she's like, I didn't, you know, she didn't intend to kill yeah. Sue, but what also she... I brought a flamethrower with me just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was she like trying to do? do? Like, okay, so she shrank herself. Like, what was she actually trying to do? <laughs> like, I don't. She could have just sent threatening notes, like Sideshow Bob or something. Like she. <laughs> I. I, uh, yeah, it seemed it seemed kind of yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, like we're supposed to think she's crazy and nuts, but yeah, uh, cool, I guess. <laughs> the things we do for our ex-husbands. Yeah. I yeah. didn't even really understand why this guy was so great in the first place. But <laughs> what's crazy too um, is that it, it, they go to they go they go to lengths to tell you that she left him. That like this yeah. is her realizing she made a mistake. This is not. Her trying to win back the man who walked out on her, like she left right. him, which which makes it, I think, even more muddled. I and I think it's sort of it's I guess like it's like a, a straight divorced guy's like fantasy. I guess it's like wow, I was never the one that like you know did anything wrong. Like oh, of course she'd want me back eventually. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems it's very like sort of um, masturbatory in that way. Absolutely. I, I think I said this on online, but um, <laughs> on farmers, farmers only. only. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, every every male character, if they have, if they express an opinion of women, is either a full blown misogynist or simply sees them as like a pet or like a, a <laughs> yeah. some, something to care for. Because even you know, you either get like the full-blown divorce court uh, point of view, or you get Ollie, who's like, "Pretty bird, you can't go out," you know, because he's talking yeah. to Diana. You can't go out and hurt yourself when, like, she could kick most people's asses, you know, and like. I mean, probably the, she. Yeah, she, she could kick, kick his ass. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Frequently does. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, the best couple in comics, honestly. Yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I keep going back to this line, but I mean, like, very early in the first issue, Ralph Dibney's like, why do you want me to talk about my wife? Okay, anyway, here's a long, sappy story about how I met my wife and how she's, like, the best thing ever. She's, like, the perfect woman. Which, like, I guess... What's frustrating, Emily, is that, like, in in comics, they are a great couple. Like, Mm -hmm. he should have just said, like, he he should be happy to talk about her. Because she is great. Right. (laughs) There's no reason to make him into a dickhead before having that conversation. Yeah, I just thought that was very unendearing for like no reason because obviously I'm supposed to like this character, and I just was like, what? Okay, well, I guess I can forget about this weird comment he made, but it, it just sort of it just sort of colored the whole it it, it, it ruined it kind of ruined the scene for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of problems, <laughs> a lot of psychology in this. A lot of psychology. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So then, uh, basically, uh, Ray ends up committing Jean to Arkham Asylum. We'll see her in a future event very soon, actually. Um, and 
the, then the, you know the rest of the hero. It kind of shows the rest of the heroes reflecting on their families and the people that they've lost, and some of them are contacting the people in their lives that they, may, they maybe haven't seen in a while. Um, kind of stressing, you know, how how important it is to have these people close to you or whatever. Um, yeah. And then uh, back at the JLA Watchtower, Wally gives Bruce a funny look, and Bruce is like, you know, what are you what are you looking at, Wally? What are you? And of course, this all this is hints that you know maybe Bruce knows about the mind wiping, maybe he doesn't. There's there's something said about like Bruce knows what he wants to know, so if he doesn't. If he doesn't know, it's because he doesn't want to know whether they did that or not. And so it's left a little ambiguous. And then we get an epilogue with Ralph talking to somebody while getting into bed and turning out the lights. And uh, he's talking to his wife, who's not there. Uh, just an empty mm. empty pillow at his bedside. Well, that kind of a... goes something Ollie says to him. like He basically tells him, just talk to her. Like, it'll make you feel better, yeah. and she'll, she can hear you, you know. Yeah. Several years from now, he will literally talk to her as a ghost. Yes, he will. In <laughs> oh, yeah, of, I heard about this. In yeah. one of my most frustratingly unrealized DC things. I the wanted ghost detectives. I wanted them to be ghost detectives so badly. Well, when Mark Wade comes back and <laughs> writes his titans book he'll he's he's only coming back to write titans because he's also going to get to write the ghost detectives book so (laughs) and that's that that's identity crisis so um yeah i i don't think it's very good (laughs) (laughs) um but you can like this did definitely kick out kick off a new era of dc like you can pretty much trace it mostly back to this this book and the the books that were kind of happening around this time maybe slightly earlier than this but this was certainly the first big event <laughs> well it's it's kind of funny is it in the sixth or the seventh issue where there's that like black page with the the quote on it that's like um something about you know the something about n- nostalgia maybe and like things changing uh-huh yeah is that in the seventh issue? I believe it is, yes. I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, wait a minute. I'll I think I have it. that one open. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a... Um, that... It's one of the last ones, yeah. It's, yeah, that's uh... the moment the comics changed. Yeah. It, it <laughs> oh, says all, you know what? I, an I was, era can be said to, to end when its basic illusions are exhausted. And Arthur Miller said that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gagging at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. That no, okay. I, that was the moment. I remember just now what I, I didn't mention this earlier. I, this was like an hour ago, but I, I read one issue of Heroes in Crisis. Oh, boy. And that was way, way worse than this. Yes, yeah. That is. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. This I mean, this is bad, but like I, I could read it like I, I had to stop. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't even like hate read this like mm-hmm. this Heroes in Crisis thing. Like and, and I think that one had really bad, a really bad poetry like reference or something in it. <laughs> Gennar uh, loves reading. uh Okay. No, I think that was that was like the third, second or third issue. I yeah, think. I think I just, yeah. You need yeah. to read that issue. <laughs> so okay, I'm glad, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, the, the 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 big distinction for me between Heroes in Crisis and this is that this may be a story told poorly, but it's a story. 
Whereas Heroes in Crisis is not, if you read the whole thing, it's not even a story. It's a couple things that happen uh, kind of within Tom King jacking himself off. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really not, it's not an exploration of trauma like he says it is. It's just these um, disconnected moments that we get with heroes, whether they're reflecting on poetry or they're, you know, being interviewed about past events in their lives very sterilely and coldly. You know, there's at least this, it may be over the top, it may be problematic at times, but at least this is actually going for a story with emotions, with yeah. characters that we recognize that are not just coldly going through the motions. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, this this felt like um, I mean I I can't really even remember what what was in the Heroes in Crisis issue I read, but it felt like those characters I felt like they were just saying things and nothing was happening. Like I, <laughs> I you have I described like, Tom God, King's comics. Yep, because oh. <laughs> he he's the guy that does all those like like nine panel uh, yes. or it yes. looks like someone's talking to the camera thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hated that. Um, there was none of that. At least there was none of that in this. I didn't feel like anybody was like talking to me, talking to the the readers directly, which I I hate. So uh, what I, what I will say about this versus Heroes in Crisis is I feel like there is nothing cynical about this. This is a very dark story, but it's not a cynical story. Like I, think I agree that, with that. You know, and I think the Heroes in Crisis is just this. It's built on cynicism, and yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to me, that's the big distinction. Yeah, I feel like this feels really... Um, this feels, I guess, sincere. It felt sincere, and they were trying to do something darker. It wasn't good, but I didn't feel like... I didn't feel like they were sort of just doing it just to do it, I guess. Um, and, so, and sort of with, like, an eye to, like, I don't know, do a bigger critique of current state of comics or something. But, um, yeah... Yeah, the, you're right. Like, like no cynicism with this, but at the same time, also no sense that like it's kind of bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just doesn't really know how bad it is, which I guess I prefer that to just something being totally cynical and awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any <laughs> other closing comments before we sign off here? Emily, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank yes. Thank you. I do so- have one. Sorry. Thing- <laughs> this was fun um i should read more bad things and um i mean i don't know if you'd want to have me on to talk about them again but uh i'll send you some recs okay um i did want to say there was another stupid panel that i really hated was um the one that said uh batman and robin orphans oh, yeah. <laughs> i thought that was really stupid i i, I don't know if anybody didn't the... know that <laughs> yeah like even i you that shit i was like yes okay yeah i understand <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was like really that was like almost that was melodrama to the point of like hilarity to me mm-hmm. i was like yeah I, yeah i get it <laughs> that 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 reminds me and i i don't i'm i'm not gonna go off on tangent i'm gonna try not to but um <laughs> that does remind me i think it might be like in that same section where you have like uh alfred like consoling young bruce and then bruce consoling young dick and then proof that that comics are bad instead of having (laughs) dick consoling tim you have bruce consoling exactly yes tim again and i'm like nope this is bad (laughs) this is wrong 
Should have just tried to kill Batman. <laughs> would have been more effective. Well, Batman Grant Morrison, the greatest writer of all time, would go on to try to kill Batman, and yeah. it would be a great story. And then comics ended after that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad I read this. Uh, sort of. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's good to have read like you know bad things to sort of compare to stuff that people things. like a lot more, and it's just sort of more generally in, uh, enjoyable. I, I will. <laughs> I will say the next time we have you on the show, I would like you to read something good if possible. Yeah, I was just it's, about it's, to say it's that. It's better sure, to read yeah. good stuff than bad stuff. So. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I would actually would like to do that. Yeah, something that's accessible enough for me. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll ask Walter for Rex or, yeah, you know, I'll look into it. Yeah. We have some plans for the future that we can find a way to okay. shoehorn you into and make you read something yeah. you don't want to read. <laughs> no, I'll read something good. Okay. Well. Uh, if, if folks enjoyed your appearance here, which who wouldn't enjoy your appearance here? Uh, they, can, they can hear you twice a month on the Multiversity Manga Club podcast with your husband, Walter, and once a month with Zaki Poo here. Um, where can folks find you online otherwise? Uh, I am at Cosmos, of course, on Twitter. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you need to find two-thirds of us, we are on Twitter. I am at Brian Idzenap. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is, uh, you know, I was going to do something really bad today for Vince <laughs> based on this Just story. No, Just no, I feel too bad doing it. So I'm, uh, I, I'm not going to say, it. I'm just going to say you can, you can find Vince. Um, You'll find his gut dropping to his testicles. <laughs> there, 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 you go. there you go. There you go. That's gross. All right. Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Listening, folks. We'll be back next week with uh, Infinite Crisis. So let's strap in, folks. This is going to be a good thing. But I came out much You came out thinking comics just aren't for kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>